It's happy times and places where that bloke off all of the DVDs and Blu-rays. Who is he anyway? Why does he get to do them all? What's he doing anyway on this podcast? Oh, he's talking over all the episodes. Oh, what a surprise. Loves the sound of his own voice. Uh, anything special about these commentaries? He's accentuating the positive. All right. Hello. I'm Ian McLachlan, and I was delighted when I found the Dalek Master Plan was still available to talk about. Well, Happy New Year. Uh, <laughs> that is in the Doctor Who uh, universe when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm sure it won't be as I record this. Uh, it's a week late. So this is, uh, what, 55 years and a week after it was broadcast that I'm watching Volcano, the first Doctor Who New Year's special. Um, I say that as if you've just, like, the, I have come off the back of a week ago watching a, a Doctor Who New Year's special, but... You're probably listening to this in the middle of the year, and so me going, oh, the first of the New Year specials. Why are you suddenly talking about the New Year specials? If you're a patron, you're listening slightly closer to that, probably uh, near the end of January. Uh, But I'll explain all of that in the closing spiel, because you haven't come here for a plug. You've come here for a volcano. And I will press play. I am watching the Loose Cannon Reconstruction. Uh, there are probably other ways to enjoy this if enjoyment is such a thing that can be gleaned from my rabbiting but uh, I'll leave you to uh, to consume this uh, as you will so uh, let this volcano erupt in three two one and I'm pressing select now I'll take oh let's go straight into it okay uh, so I'm watching Doctor Who and the volcano um, confession time last time I listened to this episode and I've you know I've only done Dalek's Master Plan a, a smattering of times um, I really struggled with it I found the for want of a better word guff of the Doctor and the Monk on the planet Tigus um, really tedious so let's see how much of this episode it takes up so we, we pick up uh, without a reprise from last week because last week kind of never happened uh, the Feast of Stephen uh, the story was designed to exist without the comedic Christmas interlude, which I didn't mention in my last week's commentary. Ian McLachlan, my special guest who saw this at the time, uh, did mention, of course, that The Feast of Stephen conspicuously uh, features no Daleks. So the last time, if if this had been sold abroad, which actually it wasn't, uh, the last time a, a, a supposed... Um, foreign viewer watched this that the doctor Stephen and Sarah were left sort of saying oh the atmosphere outside is terrible so it'll be interesting to see where they pick up it wasn't particularly well solved nice joke about yes we're in Liverpool um but it'll be interesting to see where we pick up on them but here we are things look promising because we uh, salation is speaking for the first time so in episode two he was played by the non-speaking Ian East. Now, in episode three, I think he probably appeared, played by either MJ Matthews or Jack LeWhite, though neither of those actors were bald. And I know they... But I suppose Terence Woodfield is probably wearing a bald cap. Where, hmm. Uh, I suppose Ian East probably was as well. He, he wasn't a bald actor later in life. Anyway, um... But let's see. Let's Well, we won't see. We'll never know. But I believe Salation has been in it twice so far, played by two different non-speaking actors. But now we have Salation played by Terence Woodfield, who Doctor Who fans will know from uh, appearing in the Ark shortly afterwards as the uh, weedy, duplicitous uh, slave Maharis. 
Um, it's interesting how actors like Woodfield appear in Doctor Who a couple of times in very close succession. There's a few actors that, that pop up in the 60s, you know, Stephen Dartnell in The Sense Rights in The Keys of Marinus, uh, and there's a, there's, a, there's a few others um, who pop up in quick succession like they're part of the furniture. Because you go, how come they're back so quickly and then never appear in Doctor Who again? And you think, oh, well, maybe they dropped out of acting and then you see them pop up elsewhere and go, oh, no, they just happen to be around. It's just coincidence or whatever. Um, Woodfield, you can spot in the Tomorrow people, I say you can spot him. He's he's in the middle of a the center of a loo roll um, in in uh, in the in the big uh, the big uh, finale that also wastes poor old Percy Herbert. I can't think of what it's called now. Um, War of the Worlds. It's not called that, but it's anyway. So here we are with the the, the doctors. So yeah. So I suppose you know the viewer would just go, oh, they obviously didn't leave the ship where the, the planet had that awful atmosphere and here they are flying through space and time so that kind of works um i don't quite get this so salation's going why why did they choose trantis and Marvichen chen basically goes because he was really helpful uh he, he, but but so this presupposes that everybody who's entered into a pact with the Daleks goes that they might just randomly choose to destroy us. He's, it's not like he's been like Zephon, uh, you know, and made a mistake and been an ass. Uh, Trantis, to all intents and purposes, has cooperated and presumably has a planet of people back home waiting for well, when's when's Grandpa Trantis coming back with all the riches the Dalek promised? And if he never comes back, what are they? The, 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 you know, they must be a great power. Otherwise, the Daleks wouldn't have allied with them. So I find this completely. It's a great demonstration of the Daleks' ruthlessness, but I, I don't buy it. Uh, and I know I'm supposed to be being uh, positive in this. And I, the positivity is that I, I like the interplay between Salation and Chen. I like the fact we have in Salation another speaking alien. And, uh, and, and he moved very differently in episode two as they all, they all had their own specific movements. But he's also got... A sort of hissing delivery, uh, and I believe appeared on Junior Points of View or something as well, where he uh, gave Terence Woodfield another gig, which was nice. But uh, I, I think delivered a, a line on that as well. Um, the loose cannon reconstruction has done a very nice job um, uh, uh, presenting him because for many years, Salation was the one Doctor Who alien for whom we had no visual reference, and then. Uh, it turned out somebody had had a picture all along that they decided to keep for themselves alongside six Mona Lisas. Uh, and uh, I think somebody, did somebody nab it? I don't know. I don't know the internecine fan wranglings, but there was a, there was a photo that had been around anyway. Uh, and um, it was sort of put in Doctor Who magazine. But I, I was, I'm sure I got the impression somebody said, but it wasn't supposed to be. And they just did it anyway. Um, uh, I've now seen that. It's a colour picture insulation sort of, at the, at, right at the back of the shot um, but it means that we had a picture of Salation I remember seeing it in Doc 2 magazine going where the hell did they get that from because I'm not you know I'm not I'm not you know I, was, I wasn't uh, I, don't, I don't hang around in the uh, bowels of fan photo research that makes it sound like a terrible place where all, all sorts of unseemly people hang around I didn't I didn't mean to I love it when when people turn up photos we've not seen before but I'm also slightly askance that there are photos that people have that they don't want people to see but uh, as as i'm not fully uh, uh uh up to speed with that world i will not cast aspersions or throw any stones because i don't know the exact situation but my my understanding is that there are 
some photos in private hands that I don't know what they're waiting for. Anyway, uh, uh, but um, I, I, as I say, I like the fact that the story is returning to the delegates. But I, I, uh, you know, why haven't they? Marvik Chen's the one that screwed up. He's given them the wrong terranium core. They go, but you're played by a charismatic actor and are supposed to be in all 12 episodes. But um, because especially as the the experiment doesn't work on Trantis, who, again, has done nothing wrong. And so in the end, they just and, and, and the script says, I think, you know, he comes out and he's relieved that the experiment hasn't worked and they kill him anyway. Now, again, that is great for uh, displaying just how ruthless the Daleks can be. But it, it means that I don't know why any of these people are, um, or are are collaborating with the Daleks or even how that works. Now, it may be they've got in too deep uh, and, oh dear. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I suppose you could say, you know, the Daleks don't, don't need to be manipulative because they're just ruthless. So if they decide to, to kill one of their allies, they will. But I, I, mm, I don't know. Uh, you know, when David Whittaker's writing the Daleks, they're very, very cunning, and I think that that seems to work slightly. Just it just appeals logically to me a bit more. Here's a moment for, here for Marvik Chen where he witnesses the death of Trantis, and again, that's just chipping away at his mental armor. Um, I sort of lost faith in my argument as I made it about how un, unhappy where uh, I, I am with the treatment of Trantis there. So, so maybe. It is just that, you know, they double cross everybody and that's what makes them ruthless and unkind. So maybe maybe it works, but it, it's I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure I'm 100 percent convinced by that, but I'm not as cross with it as I was coming into this. Maybe now here's the cricket match. And um, uh, in, in, in some of the. Uh, uh, documentation I've seen of this there are extras listed as playing the cricketers but as far as I can ascertain the, cr the cricket is stock footage and they, they, they even get a, a, a board they wanted a board from the Oval didn't they because that doesn't show the names of the players something like that um, uh, and, and as a great fan of cricket in fact I've done a double podcast on the history of cricket in Doctor Who do have a listen to Indefinable Magic um uh, this is beautifully done on the loose cannon reconstruction where we see the TARDIS uh, and a, a cricketer looking a bit perplexed. Uh, but I believe in the actual episode, you just heard the TARDIS and it's, you know, you have to leave it to their imagination. And it's seen through the eyes and enunciated by the two commentators, Trevor and Scott. Trevor, played by Roger Briley, Drathrow, with whom I was once in a movie, and uh, he told me that he remembered William Hartnell had a chair that nobody could sit in. Uh, that is a that is a common uh, common memory from people in Doctor Who around this time. And Scott is played by R Bruce Whiteman, but not in the Loose Cannon reconstruction. I love Loose Cannon; they're very very good, and they pay very close attention, even getting the right extras in the back of scene. But uh, they've made a, a a rookie error in this because Scott is played by Bruce Whiteman, who's also in the Crusade, uh, and plays an RT operator in episode one of Terror of the Zygons. But they've used a picture of Hugh Martin, who plays Monroe in episode one of Terror of the Zygons. Monroe is an RT operator, but uh, he's the one who's there at the beginning, who then gets washed up on the shore and we learn his name. He is Monroe. The RT operator appears a bit later and just gets smashed up in a rig and we never see him again. And that's the one that is played by Bruce Whiteman. So um, it's an understandable mistake, yet nonetheless tis one. And I only point it out 
uh, because I, I know that I'm going to struggle as this episode continues and uh, gets us to the planet Tigus. I love, however, the cricketing gag, but I think that's partially because uh, I grew up listening to Test Match Special. They're not lampooning any particular um, commentators, but Trevor's sort of jolly British chatty style is... is you know very of a of a type of english commentator and and i think scott's sort of laconic uh, uh uh aussie delivery is 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 quite funny and it's he's a nice character and they they refer to ross off screen ross is the sort of equivalent of bill frindle who's the sort of statistician um who was always a lovely lugubrious character when i listened to test match special which 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 is a bit like watching a, a missing episode of doctor who because you know how do you enjoy a sport if you can't see it well um the, the wonderful commentators conjure the images uh, but most of the images have to sort of reside and come alive in your imagination so uh, uh you know uh, it, it's not unlike what we're doing now although i do have we do have pictures here that have been brilliantly put together by the the loose cannon team and more than one should expect considering there are no telesnaps from these episodes um and, and this moves along nicely um so I like the cricket gag and the cricket gag is particularly good because the TARDIS lands and they just sort of take it in their stride slightly and then the TARDIS takes off again uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, and they just sort of go, all oh, right, and on with the cricket. Uh, and the cricket, I think, was being played in Australia rather than in England at the, at, at the new year. Um, uh, uh, but uh, there's, there's all about that in my in my cricket in my cricket indefinable magic where i i go into that game in quite detail quite a lot of detail now we're on the planet tigus and we have a less than a second of moving footage of the volcano uh i don't know why that survives again i'm sure there's there's information out there uh, about uh, about why it survives but we have a little bit of a film trim uh, of uh, and we've we certainly got some a photo haven't we of the of the model of the model footage and they did use some stock footage and probably knowing loose cannon that they're using the same stock footage that was that was used um uh but this is uh this is this is lovely and and again we've gone from planet of the invisible people invisible people were quite a cool thing when uh, when i was a kid to you know you know that was an exciting just in and of itself something being invisible in the same way that uh volcanoes were pretty cool you know lava deadly lava that's amazing so these these things that blew up and were natural um but that that produced this stuff that could sort of burn through buildings and swallow people up and you know it was moving fire basically very very exciting uh, and, and i used to avidly read about you know krakatoa and uh, you know those sorts of natural disasters which were the stuff of the stuff of movies and adventures uh, and the monk has arrived now this is fun isn't it because uh, the show is getting some sort of you know continuity beyond okay the daleks were going to return because they were such a hit but um uh you know as 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 the show gets uh, an idea of its you know of its own sort of broader canvas the monk comes along in the time meddler and oh he's from the doctor's own people but you know and that's that's you know that's enough of a a plot for that that story and you've got all the wheezes that he gets up to and the fact that he's got a his functioning watch in medieval england and all that sort of thing that's brilliant all the the, the amusing um you know anachronisms that he he mucks about with and he's played by a fine comedy actor peter butterworth 
but then the fact that he comes back in this uh you know is rather exciting for the for the show i think and and it's nice for the character and you know butterworth uh, we sort of sometimes we we rather forget that you know he's he's the first sort of re- recurring villain um which is which is fabulous because peter butterworth is great uh, he was brilliant his arrival was brilliantly done on this loose pat cannon podcast where they sort of superimposed him opening the tardis from from a, from a different piece of footage but uh, but but putting it onto the planet that was really really well done because uh, his tardis is described disguised as a boulder uh, in uh, in this episode i think um and fortunately he does a lot with the tardis uh, in the time meddler so we've got lots of pictures from that to represent what he does here and his great plot in in this episode is to fiddle with the the tardis lock and then uh the doctor has to somewhat tediously undo the fiddling in a way that gets no satisfactory uh explanation whatsoever and then we can move on with the adventure um but i i i actually seem to recall it taking up much more of the episode than it did last time i i listened but we've actually got through quite a lot we've had the action with uh with Trantis and Salation and, you know, moving the Dalek plot on a bit, which is which is nice, and the, the Terranium core, and, of course, uh, you know, they have to em- embark on their chase again because they didn't, as they thought, have the Terranium. We had the lovely uh, cricket match interlude, uh, and, and now we've got uh, what the episode, you know, title tells us we have to look forward to, is the volcano. Um uh, and of course, this is this has all come because uh, an original six-part Dalek story has has been broadened out to twelve, and so so Dennis Spooner is now on the writing team. So I've not seen the earlier drafts of of these episodes. I listened to a podcast the other day um, from the team behind Dalek sixty three eighty eight, which is Gav Rymill and John Green, and uh, there are there are other uh, folk on that podcast as well, uh, and they're talking about um, you know the original storyline for when this was a six-parter well i've i've not seen that um and you know it it seems to be from what i gather and, and what i can make an educated guess at is that you know it's the uh it's the the first four episodes and the last two it's the stuff all about you know delegates and space security and all of that business um and then when it was ordered to be turned into 12 episodes you get you get this extra sort of you know the chase two this time it's in different places and sometimes for slightly longer um written by spooner which i i have to say although it gives it the epic sort of scope i i you know the story doesn't gain an awful lot apart from the fact that we get the monk again which is joyous because peter butterworth is fantastic um and also we get the fact that when we get to episodes 11 and 12 they come at the end of you know, a three-month journey through time and space and peril uh, and really earns what are, I seem to recall, and I'm looking forward to getting to them again, um, two absolutely magnificent uh, episodes of Doctor Who. Um, and, and I quite like the fact that the monk is, is, is rather pesky, although, of course, if he has, you know, if he succeeds in his uh, plan to lock the Doctor and Stephen and Sarah out of the TARDIS and they can't get back in, they they could die there. So, uh, but he's not prepared to do the killing himself. He's not that kind of villain. I love this uh, this little bit of. I'm, I'm assuming the volcano stuff that I can see at the back here is is the actual bit of footage. Glorious, just a snippet. I, I get so excited by less than a second's worth of material that's actual 
genuine material from a missing episode of Doctor Who. Uh, so uh, Doctor Who is now going to do something with his ring that opens the TARDIS uh, and then they're going to go inside and Stephen's going to go, so what did you do? Or Sarah's going to go, what did you do with the, the ring? How did you solve this terrible problem that was set for you by the monk? Uh, and he's basically going to go, well, the sun's got some technobabble, 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 and this ring is a technobabbly ring, technobabble, technobabble, technobabble. And everyone goes, okay, then. And I'm afraid that is simply unacceptable. <laughs> it really is. It's basically a way of going, uh, I've set up some jeopardy, and I'll get out of it. Uh, you know, it's it's magic in, in sci-fi. I mean, it, 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 it sort of, I mean, it doesn't even bother to give us any sort of technical... It doesn't. It's not even techno babble. It's vago babble because he just goes. The sun's got some properties, and this ring's got some other properties. It doesn't even condescend to give it a name. It doesn't even say I uh, refracted the plasmic refractations of the sun's beams, and that set up a warble thromble in the lock mechanism that was exacerbated by my ring's uh, crimbly bang bongs. Um, which sounds ridiculous, but it sounds better. But I just made it up off the top of my head, and it sounds better than what you get in the script. Love this model shot of the TARDIS taking off. Uh, sorry about that. I love it so much. I banged the microphone. And the little bit of footage that we have that uh, is, is is I think, you know, a, a slowed down loop of that split second that we have. Um, but he does, he does a lot of shouting into space, the monk. Um but he's great. Uh, he's 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 glorious. So it's nice to have him back. Um, oh, a little side note, as I've given away what happens in this scene, which is basically a very poor explanation, um, is that I always thought, and I've just, as I record this, I've just released um, an indefinable magic called You Say Potato, I Say Sontaran. I think that's the title I went with in the end. And it's about things that were pronounced, you know, that I pronounced wrongly until I heard them, like... Crinoid, I thought was crinoid, etc. And I've had a few people send in theirs as well. Um, uh, Logopolis has been Logopolis and Logopop, you know, and, uh, Sontaran and Sontaran. Um, but I always thought I had a cousin called Sarah. I still have. Uh, and so I always thought it was Sarah Kingdom because Sarah was spelled S A R A. And Sarah, whenever I'd seen it, was S A R A H. Um, so for me, for years, she was Sarah Kingdom until I actually saw Dalek's Master Plan for the first time. Now I understand it. There are Sarahs, S-A-R-A, but and Sarah is a much less common name. But uh, in a part of my brain, she will always be Sarah Kingdom, uh, and that's a, an acknowledgement to my 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 cousin Sarah, um, uh, who will never be Sarah because she's not. She's called Sarah. So I don't know um, how that works, but there we go. Um, is there anybody out, else out there for whom she was a Sarah Kingdom? I'm sure there is. So, Sarah Kingdom. See, I, it's, it, I, I forget because it's been long enough now because I first saw the existing episode of the Daleks Master Plan probably when I was, what, 15, 14, 15? 25, 35. So that's 33 or 4 years ago. So she's been Sarah Kingdom to me longer and she was Sarah Kingdom to me, although those those early ones do still embed themselves. So I would probably say, if interrogated, I would probably say Sarah Kingdom, Sarah Kingdom. I don't know which I'd say. I'm confused. I once knew a comic called uh, Steve Vernon, who, when he became a member of Equity, had to change his name to Stan Vernon. And uh, 
I was never quite sure whether to call. I, I remember the first time I started calling him Stan. I was like, oh, so I, he's not Steve now. But there was still always a part of me that thought of him as as as, as Stan. Uh, and you do that sort of schizophrenic thing. You go, Steve, Stan, Steve, Stan. You go, I wonder if he thinks, am I called Steve or Stan? Uh, no longer with us now. Fine comic. Uh, tricky fella, but a fine comic. Um, uh, so the New Year's Eve. Um, now, I didn't look this up. Um because the, in the in the doc, paperwork I've got, but that's ancient and often wrong, because uh, I've not seen the production file for this. That there are extras listed, and they're listed as playing cricket people and uh, New Year's Day revelers. Uh, so they definitely did, didn't play the cricket people. So uh, I don't know how they did New Year. Did they? Did they do? A, did they have some stock footage? Uh, are those extras listed? I don't know. That's something I meant to check before this. But this isn't a commentary of facts. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing there was maybe a bit of a bit of revelering going on. And of course, what that means is that uh, very unusually for Doctor Who at this time, this is an episode of Doctor Who that at least partially for this bit is set on the day uh, of broadcast. So we had that a bit last week with the Christmas Day special. And then the following week, uh, it's, you know, I mean, Doctor Who was very rarely set in the present day. Uh, we've got maybe those bits on the... Empire State Building in the chase. And we've got Planet Giants, but... Um, uh, and, and then the one that was, you know, generally regarded as the Doctor's first proper sojourn in uh, the current day, which is the, is the War Machines. But, of course, now people go, oh, yeah, but I think you'll find. But, um, you know, the, the Empire State Building is just a, a, a little moment. And Planet of Giants, it's, it's really about... And actually, that's set in the future at a time when you can put a handkerchief over a, t a telephone uh, a, a telephone receiver and <laughs> disguise your voice as the person you've murdered. Um, but no, it's supposed to be the present day. But, uh, but anyway, uh, these, yes, this is not just set on the present day. It's set on the actual date... Uh, the, the 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 date of uh, the date of broadcast um so that's that's quite fun and that doesn't happen uh until the christmas invasion no until the christmas invasion so that's quite exciting isn't it uh this is the first doctor who new year special and there wasn't another one uh for a very very long time well do you know what i had imagined that was going to be a whole episode with the Doctor and the Monk yelling at each other and lots of echoing, because that's what I kind of remembered it uh, as being. But actually, there was there was plenty in that, and I and I wasn't as annoyed by the Trantis bit as as I thought I would be, um, because I think it's just fun seeing Salation and 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 having that sort of back and forth with him and Chen and the sort of and the sort of way that they 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 are about uh, the the fate of their their colleague. Although, as I say, I, I struggle to make it hold water. I think you'd have to be a bit more sophisticated about the way you you did it now. The, the, the world beyond the confines of that room, the universe beyond the confines of that room would have to exist. And we'd have to sort of be thinking, so what are, what are you know, what are their friends and allies and people at home and, and planet? It's not enough for one person now to represent an entire planet of people. You've got to get the idea that they've got to go back to that planet and sell their ideas to that planet. And that not all those people on that planet are... Are, are the same do you know what I mean but um I enjoyed that much more than I thought because I was talking all the way through it uh, <laughs> uh, but no as I say I, I thought a lot of it would be spent on the volcano planet with a guff with the the lock which is unforgivable but uh 
uh, I'll allow it because I like the volcano planet and I love the meddling monk and I like this TARDIS crew. We've got a nice dynamic and 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 uh, they're all they're all doing it very well. So that was better than I'd hoped, better than I thought it would be. My favourite bit is easy. It's the cricket game. Uh, I like that. In fact, they don't like it on the, uh, Gavin John's podcast. Um, uh, they they don't like the joke, but I, I, I I'm I'm aware it's partially because you know the cricket means a lot to me it was it was always on in the background when i was at was at home helping with chores and you you know it was something i wouldn't have been exposed to had my mum not been listening to it and it, it's become a thing i now don't go to for my own comfort so it's a sign that you know today you see people i think they've got makers that you can choose what to watch i mean i've spent most of the past couple of evenings scrolling through a million different things on these various different subscription channels and go don't fancy any of that um uh whereas you know, I was I had to listen to something because it's what my mum was listening to. And I found something within it that I really enjoyed and ended up being, you know, an acolyte of it. So it just goes to show uh, having everything we want or we think we want on a plate and being given all the choice in the world actually doesn't necessarily lead us to the thing we like any more than actually having no choice uh, or a limited choice and having to choose from that, that, that those limited choices and, and finding something that you fall in love with that you never would have got to on your own and that's a reason to force everybody to watch doctor who until they learn to love it <laughs> um anyway i'm going to choose the cricket match what is the lovely ian k mcclachlan uh, who i think is a reverend i think he is a holy man uh, and he's certainly um somebody who uh deserves reverence from we doctor who fans because in the early days of doctor who fandom he uh, was one of the spearheads uh making contact with people from the show and so you know is has, has some of the few letters in existence from people like uh, william hartnell and patrick troughton and in he's a lovely man as i think you can tell from his from the way that he's approached and tackled this uh, uh epic story that he loves but has to point out it's his second favorite story <laughs> uh, right here we are here's ian on a volcano then we have volcano now there's a scene at that when the cricket match is going on and that i would pick as my favorite part of that episode um the comments of the police box suddenly appearing there um it was strange that the doctor had kept on wanting to get back to Earth in the 1960s. Uh, it was probably around that time that the TARDIS landed in the middle of a game of cricket. But you got the commentators commentating on it. That happened, you remember, uh, what happened uh, in the Faceless Ones when the TARDIS appeared on the runway at Gatwick. And that was, the, again, it was an, uh, the TARDIS in an unusual place. And that's um, that. That's what's interesting as well. So that's volcano. Um, and he raises a very interesting point there. Well, he he leads me to a very interesting point. Of course, is that the Doctor doesn't appear to know what's going on with the cricket, and Stephen and Sarah don't either. And so, what that essentially says is that from where Stephen and Sarah are from in the future, cricket no longer exists. Uh, uh, the inventors of the hundred take note, um, and, and actually, as the time of recording this, uh, English cricket barely exists because we're being absolutely trounced in Australia. But actually, as I'm recording this, I could be listening to Test Match Special, but it's so depressing because we're doing so badly. Um, and the Doctor doesn't know what cricket is, so he clearly learns between now and when he becomes Peter Davison, 
Um, maybe that's where he spends a lot of his time exiled to Earth. I can imagine John Pertwee going to the MCC and being going, well, there's a lot of the wrong people in here, Tubby. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, 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 and, and also, um, in the episode, and that, you know, that, that heightens the Doctor's alienness, doesn't it? The idea that he doesn't know what cricket is they quite like doing that where they go doctor here's a thing and, and and he knows so much about so many different things and understands different worlds and different timelines then we'll go here's a thing that we all in the 20th century know and you go i've got a clue what that is and that's lovely because that reminds you that he's an alien and he's sort of aloof from us and detached from us and some of the things that we take really for granted uh, you know a, a piffling uh, trivialities or, or not even on his radar um and of course it's in that episode when, when Chen's talking to Salation, isn't it? And and uh, 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 and um, the Daleks, and they say, you know, well, uh, 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 you know, the, the people with the terranium core, they're from Earth. And Chen goes, well, no, two of them are, but there's this other geezer. He's just disguised as someone from Earth. And again, it's a kind of it's a re-emphasis that the Doctor, you know, is alien. He's not some. He's you know, he's not some um, eccentric earth man or and he's not it's not even that well we'll call him an alien but but essentially he's you know he's your mad uncle uh it's it's just tries to re-emphasize that the doctor is not one of us and is from another world and i think and i think it's just worth noting um when that happens uh in in the 60s because you know we had, we don't have a name for gallifrey yet we don't know uh, uh, about the doctor's own own time or planet so all of those just reminders because it could so easily be that as the series went on they just decided well actually he's just one of us from the future you know or uh, you know it, it was it was an undiscovered country that you know we 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 didn't know um uh you know the the the, the doctor's past um uh and and there's no reason that they you know we know eventually they went for he's a member of the time lords and and there's talk in this episode about only the daleks have broken the barrier of time um apart from you know this mysterious doctor who is he he's, i like that in fact i i wonder if i hadn't been chatting so much i might have chosen that that re-emphasis that, that 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 statement that you know the doctor's mastery of time is unique apart from that the daleks do it as well and that he is not as he appears uh from from earth um because they don't really touch upon that very much at all um in the 60s we just get occasional little nuggets and reminders and that was one so in an episode that is much more interesting than I'd thought. It was much more to talk about than I thought, which is a, a relief for me, but probably a pain in the ears for you. But that is uh, the volcano, which I hope uh, erupted with all sorts of interesting facts and observations and has inspired you to uh, watch and listen to it uh, and, uh, and uh, find, you know, find some nuggets within. So um, I'm going to now go and uh, oh well, I'll probably do the, the, the next episode, Golden Death, because that was recorded uh, 55 years ago today. So it seems appropriate to do that, but it will be released uh, in the next slot. So you will have to wait for that. So I will leave you on a cliffhanger. Um, but before I go to Golden Death, I will just probably check in with the test match to see uh, if one, if cricket still exists, and two, if play is interrupted by the arrival of a police box. And if it is, if the players and commentators all take it in their stride. And that would uh, that would make uh, the, uh, the cricket ground in Australia, uh, they're currently slogging away, a very happy time and place to be. Thanks very much indeed. 
Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest for the Daleks Master Plan is Ian K. McLachlan, and I would like to extend my heartfelt thanks to the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Alex Rowan, Darren Rule, Gavin Rymill, Tom Selinsky, Samuel, I don't have your surname, Samuel, Edward Salt, Frank Shales, John Sheehan, Paul Shields, Trevor Smith, Richard Smith, David Spencer, David Spofforth, Adam Stone, Paul Taylor Greaves, Jason Thompson, Sabrina Terabassi, Sidney Trout, John Turner, Gary Wales, Jeff Walker, Alistair Wallace, Gavin Ware, Peter Ware, Rich Wiggins, Reese Williams, Jason Wilshire Mills, and Sidney Wilson. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Well, thank you to those I mentioned and to all of the other patrons. They became contributors by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, I mean, it goes up, you can pay whatever you like. I'm not going to turn down any amount. Uh, (laughs) You can get access to advanced releases. Gosh, if you're listening to this when it went out on iTunes, oh... The, the joy. Imagine the joy you could have had if five months earlier you were listening to it when uh, all the patrons are. Um, you get advanced material, you get you get special access, uh, you get bonus features, all sorts of stuff. For as little as £3 a month, most of the bonus features are available, although there are a couple of little carrots dangled as you ascend further up the ladder. But you get a 10% discount however much you commit to if you sign up for a year in one go. So uh, is that worth the risk? Oh, seems to be. Uh, there's, there's still plenty of episodes to commentate on and, and I don't have a social life. I've not been invited to many discos. So that's patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Or if you don't like doing a monthly commitment, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke and do a one-off payment whenever you like. I'm also a stand-up comedian. (laughs) I know the evidence is thin, but uh, I am every Tuesday at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester, which kicks off at 8pm, and that's me emceeing at least four comedians from the national comedy circuit. We often have special guests. uh, Recent ones have included, oh, Joe Lysett, Russell Kane, people like that. So, um, you know, it's pretty good going. It's been going for 24 years and has won lots of awards. And if you can't make the Manchester... Uh, version in the building well you can go online on the first sunday of every month at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey where we do a monthly show which is absolutely free although we do ask for donations uh, and that is me with four comics from the international comedy circuit because geography uh, is no bar to the talent that we can lure to do the show so come and check that out if you like Doctor who's occasionally mentioned actually genuinely makes my brain itch about doing the beginnings i did a fairly sort of glib silly one for the beginnings because part of me goes no every intro should be the same where i explain what happy times and places is uh so that if anybody jumps on board at any point they get the same you know a bit like the beginning of the prisoner 
where you get this although of course it's different voices isn't it because they start off with uh, the actor playing number two doing it and then they decide that's too much to ask so robert rietti just does it for for, for most of them thereafter but do you know what i mean i and also i still haven't found a concise way of going it's a positive episode commentary where i have to choose my special guest's favorite things about the episode there's not i've not i've not found a way of doing that in a way that makes me happy i'll never be truly happy um I've, I've not i've not thought of a pithy enough introduction which is why maybe that's why i've not stuck to one but i have to say i just wanted to enunciate that um part of me wants it to be the same every time a part of me thinks no that's what's cool that's what makes it different like season seven when we can just have different intros to every single story and that that's what makes it so so special and interesting and exciting um but part of me wants all my logos to match on the spine on the right level you know what I, mean? I i have those two things going on at once which is again probably why none of us let's face it doctor who fans deep down why none of us will ever be truly happy as that battle continues to be had within our heads <laughs> <laughs>